You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. is no life, there cannot be any fruit. This is what Jesus is saying here. And fruit is what the Father desires. Fruit is what the Father wants. What does the fruit look like? It looks like other people coming into the kingdom because of your life. Other people knowing Jesus because the way you're living, because you are connected to the vine. What Jesus is saying is saying, guys, cling to me. Don't ever see yourself separated from me because I'm clinging to you. In today's message, Pastor Dave will share with you about the fruit of your life. Some trees grow fruit. Healthy trees grow good fruit and unhealthy trees grow bad fruit. The fruit that you grow in your life is a solid indicator of your health as a tree. So allow God to work in you to produce healthy fruit. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 15. As he begins his message, abide in me. Today, we're going to continue in the Gospel of John. We are in chapter 15, and we're going to be looking specifically at the first 10 verses. And although we did chapter uh, verses 1 through 5 last week, I want to expound on those as we go into the next six chapters. So if you'll make your way to the Gospel of John in your Bibles, Gospel of John, chapter 15. What an exciting chapter this is. It's an amazing chapter, and um, if your Bible's like mine, red letter, it's the entire chapter is red letters, which means the entire chapter is G- are Jesus' words. So his words right there before us, so we're studying those. So, If you found your way to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, if you read silently, I will read aloud the first 10 verses, so um, we'll pick it up. John 15, verse 1. Jesus is speaking. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear forth of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither Can you, unless you abide in me? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, so also have I loved you in my love. If you keep my commandments, 
you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. In his book, Abiding in Christ, Andrew Murray writes this, quote, During the life of Jesus on earth, the word he chiefly used when speaking of the relationship between his disciples and himself was follow me. But he is about to leave the disciples and go back to the Father. And now he gives them a new word to apply to their relationship, a word that carries a more intimate and spiritual union. He says, abide in me. The word abide must be extremely important to our Lord. It must be extremely important to him to get his point across to us as disciples because he uses it 10 times in these 10 verses. So it's extremely important that we look to say, what does it mean and what are we to glean from it? It's important to Jesus, so therefore it needs to be important to us. The word used here is meno, M-E-N-O in the Greek, and it means to stay in a given place, to, to stay in a given state. It means to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present, to remain, to stand, and to tarry. You should be getting a picture here of what this word means. As we began chapter 15 last week, The supper is now over, and Jesus and his disciples are making their way through the streets of Jerusalem, and the disciples' heads are still spinning from what Jesus had told them during the supper. The disciples are still figuring, what the heck is going on here? Jesus was leaving them. Their intimacy would be lost. Some of them would deny him. Many of them would scatter and run away. Their hearts were agitated. Their hearts were troubled. It's interesting, but someone once said, quote, every occasion for distress is a fresh call to confidence in God and his son. I like that, unquote. When our hearts are troubled, when our hearts are agitated, we need to place all our confidence, we need to place all our trust, and we need to place all our hope in the one who can do exceedingly above and abundantly above all that we could ever think or ask, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We need to do this so that we can feel peace and comfort as we trust in him in all things. But as they were walking through the streets of Jerusalem, as they go across the book, the brook Kidron, as they go into the Kidron Valley, as they're making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus begins to discuss this new relationship with them. And he uses an allegory. Actually, it's a metaphor that is expanded, which is called an allegory, of the vine and the branches. In fact, we said that last week, as they walk through this valley, in fact, as they walk through the streets of Jerusalem, Jesus may even have been pointing to the palace and to the temple, where on it, Herod had put a gold vine and grapes on it. And in the Kidron Valley, there were many vineyards. Jesus may have been pointing to them as they walked through. 
So last week we looked at the vine and the branches. We saw the vine. We saw the vine dresser. So we saw the vine, the vine dresser, and the branches in verses 1 through 5. Jesus said that he is the true vine. That is the original vine. All others are imitations. All others are copies. Why? Jesus had fulfilled the law. He has taken the place of Judaism. He has replaced religion with relationship. He calls us branches. The branches depend upon the vine for their very life. He said that his father was the vine dresser. He is also the owner of the vineyard. He's the gardener. He's the one who tends, waters, lifts the vine branches so that it can produce more fruit. When a branch falls to the ground, remember, it says anybody, it said in verse um, 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And the taking away is actually being lifted. So when the branches fall to the ground, they get dirty. They can't produce fruit. So God, the gardener, picks them up and gives them a chance to blossom, gives them a chance to get sunlight and therefore produce fruit. We mentioned that last week. But in verse 4, Jesus brings this new relationship to light when he says, abide in me and I in you. And here Jesus now draws this beautiful portrait, this beautiful picture of an intimate, close relationship. This is not a superficial relationship. This is a very intimate and a very close relationship that Jesus is explaining to the disciples that he wants to have. Abide in me and I in you, is what Jesus is saying. Jesus wants them to have a life-giving connection to him. He wants them to have a life-giving connection to him. We need to always be connected to Jesus Christ. We should never see ourselves separated from him. Just as the branch cannot produce fruit when it is is not connected to the vine, we who are Christians cannot bring forth fruit without being connected to Jesus. It doesn't happen. You know, theologians look at this and they call this union with Christ. Notice that this is a connection. It is a union. It's mutual. We abide in him. He abides in us. If there is no connection, there is no life. If there is no life, there cannot be any fruit. This is what Jesus is saying here. And fruit is what the Father desires. Fruit is what the Father wants. What does the fruit look like? It looks like other people coming into the kingdom because of your life. Other people knowing Jesus because the way you're living, because you are connected to the vine. What Jesus is saying is saying, guys, cling to me. Don't ever see yourself separated from me because I'm clinging to you. But abiding is connection, but it also signifies dependence. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. This aspect of abiding, this dependent aspect, is not like connection. It is not reciprocal. What do I mean? The branch is dependent on the vine but the vine is not dependent on the branch. 
The vine is not dependent upon the branch. The branch derives its life and power from the vine. Without the vine, we talked about this last week. Ezekiel even talks about this. Without the vine, the branches are useless. They're not even good for furniture. They're barely good for firewood. Without the vine, the branch can do nothing. It's lifeless. It's powerless. The sap that flows from the vine to the branch supplies it with water, supplies it with nutrients, supplies it with minerals so that it can mature and grow into a strong and healthy plant and produce much fruit. As believers, we receive the sap of Jesus Christ through grace as we experience our life-giving connection to him. And as I was studying this, I likened the sap to the Holy Spirit and God's word. I likened the sap to the Holy Spirit and God's word. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the Christian life, to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. The word of God is the water. It not only cleanses us and washes us, but in it are minerals and nutrients to help us mature and grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are completely dependent upon Jesus Christ. Everything we do is dependent upon him. If you want spiritual fruit, it will not come unless you are dependent and connected to Jesus Christ. It will not come. If the vine is separated from the, if the branch is separated from the vine, the branch will eventually die. The branch will eventually die. It is our communion with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that makes it possible for us to bear any lasting One commentator I studied said this, quote, The sooner we we as believers discover that we we are but branches, the better we will relate to the Lord, for we will know our own weaknesses and confess our need for his strength, unquote. So the word of God and the, the word abide, excuse me, the word abide carries in it connection It carries in it dependence, and it always carries the idea of continuance. Continuance. Remember, abide means to remain, to stay, to continue. In John 1, in verses 38 and 39, two disciples asked Jesus where he was staying. They said, where are you staying? In other words, they wanted to know where his residence was. The word staying is the same word translated Abide here in John 15. So to abide is to reside. To abide is to continue, to stay, and to remain in Christ. This shows another aspect of abiding is remaining in Jesus. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, it means trusting in him, believing in him, following him, obeying his commandments, being obedient to his word, depending upon him, and never stop believing, is to persevere with him and his teaching. And this is what John was talking about when he talked about this in John 8, 31 and 32. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, for you will know the truth. I believe that this is what the apostle Paul was talking about, writing to the Philippians. I believe this is what he was talking about. Let me show you. I I don't think it's a stretch. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11. 
He says this, writing to them, he says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I believe this was Paul was talking about. Paul wanted to be found in Christ. He wanted to be found as a believer in Christ, never wavering, constantly trusting, constantly faithful, giving up everything for Jesus Christ. He wanted to be one as known as trusting in Jesus, depending upon his grace for everything. Remember at, in, in Corinthians, he says, I've done more than them all, speaking of the other apostles. He said, but not I, but the grace that dwells within me. He was trusting in God's grace. He knew it was God's grace that brought him where it was, and he knew it was God's grace that would take him further. He was trusting in that, and that is what abiding looks like. Never stop trusting. Never stop believing. Never stop persevering. Even in the resurrection, hallelujah, and even in the suffering. Ugh. Yes, even in the suffering. And this is what abiding looks like. This is what abiding looks like. And we studied this at great length last week. But what happens if you don't abide? What happens if you don't abide? And we come into the new verses. Verse 6 says this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch. He is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. Ooh. Uh, these are some pretty heavy-duty verses here. Let's go on to verse 10. No, okay, anyhow. Let me clarify something real quickly. Jesus is not speaking about your position of salvation here. He is not speaking about your position of salvation here. Your salvation has been secured on the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not speaking of salvation. He is speaking about your fruit-bearing life. He is speaking about your fruit-bearing life. A branch only has life if it is connected to the stock of the vine. A disciple only spiritually lives as they are connected to Jesus. But there is a danger in not abiding. Why do I say that? I didn't. Jesus did. So you, maybe there means you don't abide. He says, if anyone does not abide. Jesus brought it up. I didn't. So that must be a fact. Someone might not abide. What did Guzik say? Got to use our theologian here. Quote, these verbs describe a progression for the one who doesn't abide. Cast out, withered, gathered, thrown, and burned. Like all other parables, the picture of Jesus used here was not meant to describe a whole theological system. Yet the progression described is a sober and significant warning of the danger of not abiding. Jesus told the disciples, I'm departing. Yet they would not be disconnected from him. He promised them the Holy Spirit. 
that the Father would send them the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would keep them connected to Jesus. If they were disconnected from him, they would be in ruin. Perhaps Judas. The phrasing Jesus is used here is extremely important. He didn't say, if anyone does not bear fruit, he's cast out. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. Why? Jesus knows who's abiding in him and who's not. Jesus knows who is abiding in him and who is not. Jesus knows which one of you has made a true profession of faith and which one of you is just a poser. Jesus knows. The emphasis is plain. The branch must remain connected to the vine or else it has no life and is of no lasting good. We've already seen that when abiding in Christ, there will be fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. But yet there seems to be another reward. There is another reward for abiding in Christ. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. He spoke of this concept before at the dinner. Remember in chapter 13 and 14, he spoke of this same concept. Abide in me and my words in you. Jesus is connecting the idea of faithfulness to his words that he previously mentioned in chapter 14. Part of abiding in Jesus is being faithful to his word. Reading his word, studying his word, meditating on his word. This is the character of a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. One who follows hard after the Lord Jesus. He says, ask what you desire. Jesus connecting now the abiding to the idea of answered prayer. He mentioned this in John 14. The great Spurgeon says this, quote, Prayer comes spontaneously from those who abide in Jesus. Prayer is the natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. God created you for fellowship with him. God wants nothing more than for you to fellowship with him. Part of the way we fellowship with him is prayer. Prayer is a communication skill. It is a dialogue, not a monologue. It's a time when you talk to God and wait and listen. And then he speaks to you through his word or whatever. But it is communication. Communication is what makes this relationship. It's what it's based on. So as we commune with Jesus Christ and abide in Jesus, he leads us to an enhanced and enriched prayer life. When you're abiding in Jesus Christ, sorry guys, you're not going to ask for the Mercedes. You're not going to ask for the Lamborghini. You're not going to ask for the palace the thing. What are you going to ask for? You're going to ask for those things according to the purpose of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with if you have one of the Mercedes. I'm not coming down on people who own Mercedes. I'd love to have one myself. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's great. Praise God. I think it's wonderful. I think it's beautiful. Praise God that you have that. But you know what I'm trying to say here. When, when you pray, you're going to pray in God's will according to your will. In other words, Lord, what do you want? What do you want me to pray for? I want to pray what you want. Not what I want. Well, gee, uh, we're going to come to it. Jesus in the garden. Lord, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. That's the example. You are a sure.
We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.